Welcome to Lucky Boys Podcast. I'm Will. I'm Norm, and we have a very special guest here today with us, Don Lee, a community activist, um, advocate for small business in Chinatown. Yeah, homeboy in some Chinatown. Yep. Thank you for inviting me, guys. I love it, man. You know, when we're coming in here, uh, you know, we hear you're on the phone and you're setting up things with the community right now. Uh, you're just a busy guy do, doing so many things of what's going on. There's a protest or uh, a rally going yeah. on today and you're you're supporting all of these local restaurants you're talking about spending x amount of dollars here on this bakery and going to the fruit stands over there i mean how do you how do you just you're juggling a lot today yeah so i'm just glad i can help i think it's always teamwork um you know china mac what china mac is doing and what uh will is doing and that's phenomenal so glad to be able to help out with that process and just connect people here i mean it's so important that you know, beyond just the money, the fact that people, the small business realize that someone actually cares for them, that's the most important thing. So that's you can, priceless. You were saying something before we went live to me, and, and it really resonated with, with what Chinatown is. You know, I think a lot of people are seeing signs, just the headline saying, Save Chinatown, Save Chinatown. And you're saying, this is, this is not a charity. No, th- Absolutely. You know? That's one of the things that we've been um, talking about. We don't need a handout. We just need proper policy. We just need customers, right? Um, most folks in Chinatown would be perfectly happy just to do their own work, and they don't, they don't really, they, they would like to, rather to support other causes than to be receiving money if they, have their, if they have their way. As much as Chinatown's struggling right now, and it's not a secret, Right, due to COVID and all of the damn rumors about COVID and, and Chinese people specifically or Asians, uh, because I know that not only uh, Chinese businesses are hurting, but mostly Asian businesses in general. They're just catching some of the, uh, you know, the hate along with us because they can't. You know, people don't care if you look Asian. You're, you're just you're just gonna get some of that. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, that's what very early on I said. Wait a minute, we don't wear a mask. We got punch. We wear a mask. We got punched. So obviously, the mask is not the issue, right? No. So, and it's I think much that's where issue. much deeper with the issue, and that's when it first happened. And people said, "What do you mean? You know, well, what discrimination?" I'm like, "Really? You don't see the hate, right? Right? I mean, yeah. read the news, right?" right. Um, and and that being said, I don't see in Chinatown anyone with a cup shaking some coins asking for money or asking them to do anything. There, there, I've I've been so impressed with the businesses in Chinatown saying. If you don't want food here, go support my guy down there. That's right. Go, go, go. If you don't, you know, I don't sell that, but they sell that over there. Why don't you eat over there if you want that type of food? I mean, just that to me is just, holy shit. What, you know, I just, the, the spirit. I know a lot of the times people may say Asians are totally like a crabs in a bucket mentality, how we pull each other back. And I, I don't disagree with that. In some cases, it's. It's very true. We, we kind of touched on that earlier. I would say at the leadership position, unfortunately, that's very true. I think yes. on the common folks on the street, they're pulling for each other. Right. Right. So, you know, so we separate those two tiers. Right. So the common know. folks on the streets, yeah, we have each other's backs. We're each other's brothers, sisters. You know, we, we get it. And I love seeing that community. That is the type of community that that's what restores the faith back in into us as a people. Right. Um, now you touched on leadership having that type of bucket. Can you elaborate on that? It's uh, yeah, you know, someone mentioned the whole idea is that 
when one of the crab, tra- you know, you walk down Canal Street, you see people selling bushels of crabs, right? Okay. The whole concept. Right. They never need a cover on it because when one crab tried to get out, the other would just pull them back. Right. Right. So that's really what we're talking about. And a lot of things that happens in Chinatown, it's you, unfortunate you see that at the leadership level. When I first started um, able to do some work in the community, I remember distinctively um, some of the more progressive folks, you know, you have the traditional family association where I grew up as a kid, then now I am also crossing the border with these other guys, right? I remember one thing they said to me was, you know, Don, you know, these old old fogies, right? All they do just have dinner with them themselves and uh, they talk amongst themselves and they don't really care about anybody else. And it's always the same set of people. You're going to notice that. So now it's like 20 years later, and I look back, the same people that said that to me, I'm like, you know, you just described <laughs> nothing changed. You guys did the same. You guys are also talking amongst yourself mm. and really not, you know, risk or, or take a chance to speak out, even though when things are really need to be, need you guys to come out. Nobody knows who you are for the most part. Well, I know I, I, I didn't. didn't. I didn't. Did. My bad. <laughs> but I didn't. And as soon as you spoke, after the second sentence you really grabbed my attention i went to reach for my phone i was like holy making sure everything is good and i'm recording you and at a certain point maybe 30 seconds in i stopped looking at my phone and i'm i catch myself just looking at you because i just felt this energy this surge of what you were saying this this honesty and this i can feel the leadership and the power behind your voice resonate throughout the crowd and as I turn around, I can see everyone else, it's kind of surrendering their phones down a little bit. Everyone usually has it up covering their face. But as you were talking, I see it going down a little. People's like, who is this guy? You know, and, and, and then they can, I can hear them rally behind you. I can hear the crowd being empowered by your voice. And that's when I say, we have people like this. People are complaining that we don't have Asian leaders. We don't have Asians that are in this community doing this thing for real. And... Well, I'm looking at one right now in front of me and I'm going, holy shit, like people need to know about this guy. Number one, you're super interesting. Number two, you're born and bred from this community and you're still here and you're fighting back and you're helping everybody else out here. Yeah. And then it also highlights like you're from the older generation, right? While the events and the rally was um, organized by the younger generation. So there's that gap, but then you're kind of bridging that gap as well. No, um, I'm just glad that I was um, able to, to take part, really. There's a lot of, like you mentioned, um, there's been a lot of, you know, the Chinese people don't report crime. That's why, hey, you know, that really what upsets me more than anything else, right? It's, you, instead of talking about the issue that impacting us, instead of just saying equal justice, you hear people victimizing the victim a second time, in this case, our own community as a whole. We don't, we don't do this. We don't do that. We don't vote. We don't register. Well, 50% of people still have not registered for the census. Are they all Chinese people that didn't register for the census? The rest of New York didn't either, right? But when that happened, it's always, you know, you guys don't vote. You guys don't protest. You guys don't stand up. Absolutely not true. I've been fighting for people, you know, not just by myself. You don't win anything by yourself. It's with the community for at least 20, 20 some odd years. And it's just that it doesn't get covered. Or it just, you know, we fought the Grand Street to make sure that uh, things happen. Um, you know, that, if I can share you that little bit, that's really how I 
really get started in, in community activism. Um, in 2000, I was in community board number two, and I'm reading the agenda for the meeting. We're going to have a presentation on MTA. And it was that we're fixing up the train stations on Spring Street. So I said to them, why are you fixing up the, the, the station on Spring Street? That's great. He said, oh, because we're closing the Grand Street station. I'm like, no. Yeah, I said, for how long? There's so much traffic that goes through. So much that's traffic. That's right. Yeah. So, so he says, that's okay. You guys can walk. What? What? He Who said it out. He said that. The, the MTA? The, the MTA guy says, it's not that far. You guys can walk. What? No, it's far. And I'm like, it's no far. way. Yo, far how, walk. how about him take the walk himself? Right? Especially when you have an older generation in the, in the community as well. Well, I went to Sewer Park High School, so yeah. I know how far Sewer Park is. And I know because right. they have a... ESL class, their student who would come over, take mm-hmm. the train. Yeah. Um, how are they going to walk all the way from Canal Street? Used to be Grand Street, it's pretty far. Right, right. But now from Canal Street to Sewer Park. Right. That's a hell of a walk. Or the seniors having to take the train from Brooklyn to Canal Street. Exactly. Now they're right. the walk to. Right. And, with, like, and with all the groceries or when they're coming from work or, and that's they're right. tired having. The, and, that's, and they're going, depending on what time of day, it could be very dangerous for them going through that long stretch because at you know, certain times it could be activities there. Right. So you want to l- reduce those odds. Right. So in my lifetime, if you will, right, in the last one, people, Chinese Americans have been standing up to fight. It's just that no one wants to talk about it. Right. right. But it bothers me that every time we come to fight for something, they'll blame, they victimize the victim a second time. Well, you guys, this has happened. You deserve it because you guys don't stand up for yourself. I'm like, no, no, no. We've been standing up. Right? We've been fighting. We won. But people don't want to talk about it. I'm so glad that you guys are... You know, I think new media is really going to make the difference. right? With you guys around a program like yours to allow our story to be told. Because God knows the news, mainstream media really don't care. I don't know how you do it. I, I get so frustrated when, when I hear all of these injustices and, and this constant movement of discrediting Asians... Or, or just kind of shoving us aside, right? A perfect example is when Patrick Mock was speaking and, and sharing his frustrations with what's going on. And de Blasio, in the mid-sentence, turns his back on him and walks okay. away. For, you know, he okays, okay, nods, and then turns away mid-sentence. And that is kind of what Asian Americans or, or Asians in general feel when they're trying to voice their opinion or something when they're giving their input we get out you know they turn their backs on us you know it's like you guys aren't allowed to speak up we want you to remain quiet we want you to be the nail that doesn't stick out right because if you do we're going to give you the hammer right right you know on one hand you know going back like talk about the the leadership problem that we have people are saying well you know the model minority myth right but then if you look at the same leadership that we have, I said, aren't you guys living it? <laughs> the fact that you're not standing out at the mm-hmm. rallies, the, guy that, the fact that you, you're not coming out to speak out, um, aren't you kind of being the model being minority? The model minority right? all, all, all you guys? So, and I, I, I see that. I think I'm lucky enough to have a very understanding wife that allowed me to, <laughs> to do this. You and I both. Thank you, wife. <laughs> right? and, um, and I think also growing up in Chinatown, I think that's really gets me, you know, from uh, as a kid that went to PS130. And I remember after school, we were hanging out to buy candies at a candy store on Bayard Street. And the tour bus would come by. 
and then all these visitors from Chinatown will take out the camera and looking and start taking pictures of us. Right. As if we like, like you guys it, are animals in a like zoo. In the zoo. Right. right. And so and they oh look at this Chinese boy, blah blah blah. You know, do you guys speak English? I'm like you know, so you live through that and then you deal with the craziness where, you know, we're right by the uh we were right by the um detention center. And I remember the you know, when they bust some of these guys to um Rutgers Which one, Island. The, one, the one by Columbus Park? Yeah, by Columbus Park. Uh, so they were open the window and they were just shouting at us, right? Oh, yeah, I got you know, those but I, again, when I was a kid. But the thing is that, right, you get the that racist, part. The racist, yeah. But then as a child, you would understand, well, you know, those, are, those guys are, are criminals. You know, criminals. So yeah. we don't take too much. But the educated one coming down on a bus, a tour treating bus. us the same way. Yeah. So as a child, you begin to see like, does anyone speak for us? Yeah. All right? Definitely not the... You know, so where's this? You look at the, the two spectrum of society, like no one give a shit. And that's crazy because you are from a completely different generation than me growing up in Chinatown, right? And um, well, I actually I didn't grow up in Chinatown, but I came to Chinatown as a as a teenager. And and it's crazy that you share that story because I can one hundred percent relate because that's what I experienced as well. I would be at the park playing basketball, or we're just walking out. And then the, when the tour bus comes, the, the tour bus, and then they see Chinatown, they're going, oh, look at these Chinese people. Right. <laughs> yep. Oh, look, they can speak English too. <laughs> and I'm going, this is, what the heck is that? And then also with the detention, people getting yeah. prepared to get sh- uh, shipped off to Rikers, they, you know, they see they're going through China. Oh, you're fucking chanks. That's right. Oh, yeah, you Chinese motherfuckers. Right. And they're saying crazy stuff. And I, I, I mean, number one is it's, it's they got a lot of hate inside. I mean, obviously where they're going. But so what we did as kids, I mean, I hung out with uh, a couple of guys that were pretty rebellious, too. All right. We, we would uh, especially during Halloween when we see those tour buses. Eggs were coming out. I mean, big tradition you know in Halloween is to throw eggs. And as a teenage kid, right. uh, who to do it more than people being racist towards you? You know, so we would definitely, that was our way of fighting back. Yeah. That, that was your protest. It's a crazy time. Yeah. Um, but growing up in that generation, I remember, um, you know, we always feel like we have to represent because in school, it was oh. uh, happy time, you know, Italian kids, then you have the, Latino kids and then African American. Just to clarify, you went to school in Harlem, uh, right? When I was, I grew up in Harlem for a couple. You know, then I went down. Then I went to PS one thirty. So they said, "Oh, you better come down here because, you know, I was raised by a single parent. So basically, it was really difficult for Mm -hmm. that to 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 take the train up. You know, we don't get to hang on the street at all. So when we moved back down to Chinatown, that's really um, get more um, acclimated. And even then, in Chinatown. you know, literally we're still there. I live on Hester and Mott. Mm. Right. So that was at that time was considered literally. You don't go to Chinatown. Really? Yeah. 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 You don't go to Chinatown. Yeah. So that's where the San Gennaro Fair is like the whole that's right. they, they set up there. St. Anthony's Feast mm-hmm. and all, all those things. So, right. um, and so, you know, you, and I remember then all of a sudden, you know, you get into these fights. And I remember telling my, uh, you know, so when China Mac mentioned, like, you know, they tell you what you got to do is fight. It's like, yeah, when I was in fourth grade, this kid kept picking on me, Enzo. 
Hey, Enzo. <laughs> we become best friends. Best friends? We become after best fights? friends after oh, fights. Yeah, that's always, true. Always, always. Always, always right? the case. So I'm in fourth grade. I and, got a lot and, of and, best friends. Right? And my teacher's <laughs> like, I said, hey, this kid keep picking on me. And he goes, you got to do it You got you to you, you do what you got to do. That's true. And so, you know, I said, but promise you, you're not going to tell my dad because I'll get a beating much worse when I get home, right? So the teacher's got to do anything. So, you know, so you, you, you. You know, you, you earn your reputation in that one fight. Mm. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but that's how it is. You got to stand up and fight. So as, as a child in Chinatown, you see that injustice, that people don't really see you as a person. Yeah. Right? Nobody sees you as a person. Right? Not the guys coming And if they the do, team. they don't look at you as an equal. They don't look at you like an equal person. They look at you like your, your, your worth as a human being is valued so much less. Yeah, well, that's why, you know, going back to you when we open up this talk about what the business here actually are looking for. They don't want to hand out. Just like I don't need people's sympathy. None of us, the kids, need, needed that. We don't need people to harass us. We don't need your we pity. Need, uh, you need your pity. We just want to be equal to everybody else. That's it. Right? And that's, I think that is really what people sometimes don't get. You know, they think immigrants automatically, all the negative stereotypes come with it. But immigrants are the strongest people by definition. The hardest working people. The hardest working. By, by definition, these guys said, I'm going to try something else. I don't speak the language. No problem. I have no money. No problem. I'm going to bring my family to this foreign yeah, I mean, land. My, my dad worked. Right. My dad and my mom worked in Chinatown. My mom was a seamstress. My dad worked in a fortune cookie factory. Sometimes I wouldn't even see them until like 9 p.m. And I, we already had dinner with my grandparents. My grandparents basically raised us, um, me and my sister. And my parents like worked in Chinatown. Like hardworking, 7 a.m. in the morning, 9 p.m. at night, every single day. No weekends, every, every single day, even including weekends. Rain, sleet, snow, shine, yeah. sick, yeah. cold, yeah. And they don't complain. They're just like, hey, I just want to better future for the next generation, mm -hmm. right? And that's it. So just that hope, um, you know, some of the cases that I work on with the local street vendors, when they got arrested, they was not, they were not worrying about, gee, I have to pay the fine. They're like, you know, I'm not gonna be able to get home to have dinner with my grandmother. Mm. They're waiting for me. I'm like, really? That's what you were worrying about? He goes, yeah, because, you know, we work all this hard for what? It's about family. I want to be able to get family, there. It's about though. family. It's about family. Right? So this other lady who was arrested like 11 times in three months and was arrested three times a year for the 10 years. Was this the laundromat? This um, was, no, this is one of the street vendors on Canal Street. Okay. And her husband was a disabled, after she married her husband, he became wheelchair bound. Mm she would collect money for him. He's a licensed, legitimate licensed uh, street vendor. Mm -hmm. But because she is the wife and not the holder, mm. when she collect money, the cops would arrest her. What? Oh my God. Because that was the law then. Right. That was the law then. So when the street vendor said, you, you really got to help this lady out because she's been arrested three, four times a year for 10 years. Wow. But this one time, she was arrested 11 times, right? This is like three, four years ago, I think. So I said to her, the first thing I said, I said, are you bullshitting me? Like, the question I said, why now? If you're telling me you've been arrested three, four times a year for the last 10 years, and now you're arrested 11 times, why do you want to fight now? You didn't fight all this time. She said to me, because I'm tired of when I go home, and my, if I go home late, my kids would say to me, 
Mom, did you get arrested again? Fuck, man. All right. So she said, just on that alone. So she wasn't fighting because yeah. money, all this stuff. But like, shit. She just said, I don't want my kid to say, Mom, did you get arrested? She said, no, I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm fighting this one out. Yeah. And, um, and at the same time, talk about inequality. Something happened in um, uh, this Jerry, the newspaper guy, bought a newsstand in the East Village. And you cannot, also cannot transfer the license for that. So Jerry uh, from, from uh, Eastern Europe gets all the cops and everyone doing, you know, the hearts. We support Jerry, give him the license. And eventually they did. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute. So Jerry is also illegally, not unbeknownst to him, but gets the special treatment. But this woman gets arrested Jerry's 11 times. <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, the same cops that are going over there, we love you, and post it, are the same ones that are arresting this lady in Chinatown. Yeah. Right? So I'm like, a, hey, uh, man. You know, it sounds part of it, too. They, like, they need that. It's a, she's an easy quota stop. All of those guys were, you know, and then I'm glad that we fought it, mm-hmm. thanks to, you know, my Asian woman warrior lawyer, mm-hmm. uh, who pro bono Julia Kwan, and then we went to court. And right. that year, I'm not even a, I'm not a lawyer. I'm in IT. Right. We probably fought eleven cases, got people Jesus all acquitted. Christ. And, right. and you know, just for those listening and watching right now, I do want to say, like, you know, I I was always heard rumors of the quota. Uh, just on a sidebar here. But we've confirmed it with a couple of officers that we know, and specifically uh, Steve Lee, who is a current um, police officer for the department, also said he went into detail about that in one of our previous podcasts. So you guys can circle back and check on that. But that's why, I mean, I was always hesitant to mention that because I was just never sure. 100% yeah. sure. And before I get 100%, I, where I get someone to conclusively say that, no, this is exactly it coming from their mouth. Uh, I'm, I, you know, I can't really commit or share that information. But since he put it out there in the universe and he told me straight up to during our previous podcast, like, no, there is absolutely a quota system. He said it with no apologies. And then just what, just listening to your story and connecting the two, it, if I'm a police officer, like, I want to make sure that I have my, to do, to be a good cop, to be a good soldier, so to speak, uh, just, I need to have my stops in a row. And, and, and that's the problem with that, because then it dehumanizes people. You look at everyone as just a number to help benefit yourself. So you joined for a better cause to stop criminals. But meanwhile, think about what you're doing and how you've been conditioned. Now you're just worried about hitting your numbers the easy way. You're going for the low-hanging fruit. And that is not right. That is not right. You're, you're, You're disrupting people that are trying to make a living for themselves. They're not doing criminal activities. And you know, I'll and you know what? I'll be fine if Jerry got tickets too. Okay? If Jerry got a ticket too. Then I'll be fine. But then to pick on immigrants or pick on minorities or pick on people that live in lower income areas because those are low hanging fruit or people known with lack of resources to fight back. That is just that's never okay. But for some reason in our society, it happens. And it's not just New York. 
It's not. This happens everywhere, and it's not just Asians. It happens to other people of That's color. Right. That's and right. And God damn it, it it gets me so mad because we. How do we fight these people back? Because when we try to say something, nobody fucking listens until we all get up together and what's going on right now. And and it needs to take this. It needs to take the death of one person and then another person and another person for you to find out. Like, how many lives does it take for you to fucking open your ears? Or, or is it the money? Right. Is, it, is, it, is criminal justice a job? I mean, that's what people need to ask. Is it checking a box? Is it doing your quota? Is that what it is? I think that's why we need to have real serious discussion about criminal justice reform because it can't be just one little thing. This is the moment people need to look at. Look like the example I just gave you. And, and so I said to these guys, right, the street vendors, and I'm like, why do you think they pick on you? All right? One of the other guys. And he says, because we try to be law-abiding. There's two reasons why they pick on us. Number one, we are licensed. So they know that if you, if you don't play along, you might lose your license. You might lose number your one. license, yeah. Num- number two... Many of these guys are still uh, not yet U.S. citizens. And if you get convicted, you can be deported. Right, yeah. So they were telling them, and I was in court with them. I was so pissed off. I thought I was going to get arrested that day. Yeah. I walk in there, and this legal aid lawyer representing this revenger said to him, Mr. Lee, you think you're doing her favor? You think you're doing her favor? If she does not take the plea, she is going to be deported. Her kids are born here, husband, you're a citizen. She will never see her kid. You want to help them? Is that what you want? And I just looked at him. I'm like, you know what? She'll decide. And I talked to this lady and I said, what are you going to do? All right? This is what he's laying out. Either you're going to stand up and fight or you're going to continue to arrest you because they know. They can harass you. They know how they can get you because mm-hmm. they're going to come back again and again and says, if you don't take the plea deal, you were gonna, you know, you could be deported. On that alone, they get everyone taking plea deals. Right. Right? So she took at me and she goes, Are you gonna promise you're gonna fight? I'm like, Yeah. And so she turned around and says, Not guilty. Fuck yeah. Wow. Right? Not guilty. But that that that, you know? that goes to show that she was just looking for an advocate, someone who can, you know, fight with her, for her. And it took some time to find someone like you to to do that in the community because like, you know, we were talking, like, we just don't think that people will fight for each other in the Chinese, the, the, not, not, not just the Chinese well. community, the Asian community. Asian community. Right. So if you have people to, like, fight for you, and you know that you have that confidence that, that this guy to the left of me, the, this person to the right of me, they're going to fight for me. So that's why when you guys walk down Canal Street, you look at those street vendors, I'll show you one more story. That's why people say, how are you, why are you so attached to them? And I said, when I hear the stories, it's just really, it resonates with me. Mm-hmm. So there's one case where this uh, gentleman, uh, street vendor, someone stole his goods. And then he was getting into an altercation. NYPD show up. What did they do? As they, sh- as they should, right? Crowd control. He goes, all right, everyone go to the station house. So he's arrested. The perpetrator's arrested. They're all in the fifth precinct. So these guys that come to me and say, Don, you got to help out. You got to help out. I said, what's going on? He says, then I walk into the precinct and they said, you know, uh, your, your friend, that fucking chink, you know, he's like, be a man. He's crying like a baby. What? Like, Who the says co- this? The cop? The cop? The cop. I'm like, man, so I'm like, right here. I'm like, why is this guy, you know, 
honestly, you yeah. know, I'm like, dude, you got to rest it. You don't need to cry. Mm -hmm. Like, what's with that? So the chain part I didn't like. Yeah. But the things like, oh, you know, why, why you? So I, I went and I talked to him. I said, why are you crying? It'll be all right. What are you going to do to you? It'll be all right. And he said to me, and that's really, this is going back 15, 16 years, more than that at least, not longer. So 1980s, 1970s? 80s. 80s okay. So he said to me, he says, you know, late 80s. So he said to me, I'm not here to worry about money. He says, I worked so hard to save enough money so that I can bring my son over here to this country. If I have, a re I have an arrest record, I will not be able to re be reunified with my family again. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm crying. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the money. It wasn't this freaking jail. It was the, ch the idea that if I'm falsely accused, and then now I cannot be reunified with my family. Everything I work for is for my family, right? And that's when I look at these guys. I say, how many people would know that about these guys? What are they fighting for? For the family, mm -hmm. all right? To me, these are like the strongest people. And, you know, they inspire me mm -hmm. to keep doing this, right? To just help out where I can. So, you but know, those are the stories that people don't know about. And, and that's the problem of, of dismissing you know, when you just look at people and, and you right away just want to shame them and, and make them look like, oh, he's less of a man because he's crying. Um, you know what? He's being more of a man because he's crying. Yeah. He's a, being way more of a man. He's worried about taking care of his, of his family, his kids, like, and, and bringing them over. He took the risk of leaving to someplace else for better opportunities because he wants what every parent wants for their children is a better future for them to enjoy. Even though they're the, the, the parents won't get to enjoy it, they want their children to have a better life and that is enough for them. And now he's crying because that's at risk. No. That's his dream is to, to be together with his family again one day. He's not working hard for any material product or purchase. He's working hard so that his blood, his, his family, just so he could hug them again and bring them over. And, and now that's being at risk because somebody stole something from him. Right. You know, and now the people that's supposed to be helping him is calling him a fucking chink and saying and, and, and looking at him less of a man. Don't worry about it. Why are you crying? You just got arrested. You know, and I know this happened like two decades ago, but damn it, you know, it's, it's, it's like we keep recycling the same bullshit, you know? Well, that's why, but even now, people are saying, well, Chinese people don't fight back, they don't speak up. Well, if you were them, what would you do? If there's a pattern of that, what would you do? Mm -hmm. So I think, especially, you know, Chinese American elected officials, I hope, really hope that they take to heart to understand the people that they're fighting for, Right. Stop answering to your masters, the political machine. Mm -hmm. Just remember that one day that we all have that one day in our life that we got up in the morning and want to do something right. And if you change, think about that one day. You know, because right now I hear people sitting there saying, well, you know, Chinese people don't fight. Maybe there are other reasons, right? Like right. The, the case in this guy, right? Not that they don't want to fight. And then when they do fight, when they do fight, no one no one listens. Well, in that specific case with the eighty nine year old grandma, right? Absolutely. And same, same, same here. So they're like saying to me, "Hey, you know, I have more Asian lawyers calling me, and some 
you know, I'm not going to embarrass them, but some entity who's supposed to be representing all the Asian lawyers say, well, you know, it really doesn't meet the definition of a hate crime. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Start your own freaking petition and say it's not a hate crime. Put your name on it. And you know what else? If you really feel that strongly about it, it is you to use your legal understanding to change the law. Because the intention of it is to protect people. It's not doing it. It's not protecting your people. So stop telling me that the law is, you know, they cannot, it should not be a hate crime. Then fix it. I said, thank God you guys are not around during the Chinese exclusion year. Otherwise, we would still, oh my God. remember, that too it's, was it's, a law. It's, it's those people who, right? who, right. who see that this is not wrong. Right, because Chinese, you're absolutely right about that, Don, because the Chinese Exclusion Act was made into law to purposely prevent the Ch- Chinese from coming over, yeah. right? right? So I'm like, hey, you know, our ancestors fought it and they get it overturned. But then now, in the year 2020, I'm hearing with all the legal training, you guys are telling me this stuff. Well, thank goodness there's another team of lawyers who are working with me on, on that case. Beautiful. But the same situation with the, um, the street vendors. When I brought it up to elected officials back then, they said to me, but she did violate the law. I'm like, who wrote the freaking law, right? That the fact that she cannot collect money for her husband who is a wheelchair bound, wheelchair bound but have a legitimate license just yeah. because she collect money and you arrested her. And I said, do you ever go beyond that one step? When she's get arrested, her husband is still wheelchair bound on the street. Other people have to pick this stuff up for him. Mm-hmm. People just don't, I said, you know, don't just go for that title. If you really care about their lives, look at what, they, what their life is like. Right? And then the other thing they would say is, is like, oh, but she's all right, though, physically. And I'm like, really? Is that, Wait, what, is that, is that what who the lawyer said? Is that what right? the Asian lawyer group said? Some of the lawyer group and some of the other people. Even the, if you look she's at the report. She's all right, though? But she's all right. And I'm like. What are you talking about? Right? I mean, like, what's, how about the emotional trauma? Exactly. You're talking about physically. She might not be showing any. Uh, physical bruises or anything like that. Thank God she was able to right. act. Yes, yeah, she was. She, she was a spry eight, a ninety-year-old woman. You know, uh, was able to to um, you know stop the, f- the the flames from like yeah. spreading. How about the trauma, the emotional trauma, the mental trauma? People are calling me. Hey, some elected officials are calling in and said, you know, you're putting the victim at risk. I said, no, 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 you're putting her at risk. And I said, hey, I gotta respect her as a person. Just because she's 90 doesn't mean that, you know, I, I treat her any different. So when China Mac or MC Jin or Daniel Wu said, hey, can I speak to her? What's my responsibility? I'm not here to show her from, hey, would you like to speak to these guys? Mm-hmm. Well, first, says, she says, who are they? I'm like, well, right. I, same question here. Right, because so you, know, right, you didn't know who these guys were. No. Uh, any of these Asian uh, celebrities. Yeah, I really you know, so sorry, guys. I don't. Um, my daughter does, but anyway, she said, "Oh, it's pretty cool." You different generation, her. different generation. Yeah. But my point is that in her case, she said, "Yeah, I want to talk to them." All right? And when China Mac was there, she and he was very respectful. Hey, can I take a photo? She says, "Sure." Mm-hmm. And they were very respectful. Hey, can I put you on video? And she and then when she said to them, in um, you know what. what you know, that she would walk with, march with them mm-hmm. if it wasn't for a problem with her legs, right? And then people start telling me, hey, you know, Don, you put your grandma at risk. As if I'm promoting, I'm like, hey, listen, I'm not promoting anybody. We live in this country. She, she wants to express herself. That's my job to express it. The family wants to have it in the center because wants some privacy. That's why we provided the facilities. And that's it. But it's sad that, you know, it's, there are people in our own community 
who are more worrying about rocking the boat. Now, if these are the 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 old the old school Chinatown guys, one thing, but these are the the woke, com- you know, right. I said, what's up with that? Right. You know, you guys keep saying, oh, the, the model minority myth. Well, you're living it, man. Yeah. You're telling you're, me, you're don't say it. You're, you're acting, acting it. it, right? It's funny because they say one thing and they do exactly what they're complaining about. You know, so it's, it's so easy, so easy to sit back behind your computer and just complain all day and look at everything that's wrong and just pick and choose which ones and criticize. And then... and. and but not having to actually physically go out there and, and put your a- actions to any of those words. Or at least if learn more about your own community, you know, learn more about, like I explained, this is the life. This is why the guys were upset. That's why he was crying. Not because of fear, not because he's weak, mm-hmm. because he's strong, right? So, you know, the whole thing with this whole fundraising, that drama, Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, I'm still getting email. People are just like, "Oh, what do you do with the money?" And I said, "Listen, man, it's ten thousand dollars. You know, in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things, not that much. Let's it's be not. honest about it. All right. So, you know, especially when you guys pay eight dollars for a scoop of ice cream, don't be bitching about a ten thousand dollar GoFundMe. Yeah, that and really then, is not a lot. No, it's not. And the ten thousand dollar GoFundMe was for what? Chinatown. For Chinatown, and then also initially was to for the grandma. Right. Right. But I'm like, wow, you guys don't even cannot look past the fact that this is really someone's good, good intention. But you have to look at the dark side. It's not like we're giving the money. They're not giving the money away. They're actually spending the money within the right community, here. buying the goods. Mm-hmm. So it actually goes into community, you know, stays in the community and, and helps the community. Yeah, like when they order, like earlier, I ordered 800, 600 cake and stuff mm-hmm. like that from different uh, bakeries. And yep. they said, well, help a get discount. And I'm like, no, 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 they're supporting you. Retail, it's fine. No discount. Right? No discount, right? Full Whatever price. you do, full price. And, um, and, and I think that's really, people need to think about that. And again, you know, that speaks to the bushel of crap, right? Someone want to do something and instead of, you know, you should say, hey, is 10000 enough? Maybe you need to do Instead more. Instead of pushing you up, right? they're grabbing. grabbing they're asking the wrong questions. They're right. asking the wrong questions. That's right. Is 10000 enough? That's right. the right question to mm-hmm. ask. Right. Yeah. And right now, I've seen a lot of organizations, volunteers, setting things up in Chinatown. Like, for example, I just saw, like, flyers to go up for a food crawl in Chinatown. Right. And that's coming up in September. You know, shout out to them because I forget the organization, but shout out to them for doing something like that because right. they're awesome. being proactive. You're not you're not complaining about other organizations. You're not complaining about, you know, what we're, what Chinatown, the community is not getting. You're actually proactively setting up events so that you can create action from that, right? And save Chinatown. Yeah, that was like, you know, that's the key thing that these guys are really working in the community. So there's one group that, you know, we were delivering meals to seniors mm. and in, in Brooklyn from Home Christ Community Service. We did, I think, 36,000 meals so far. Oh, wow. Right, because we wanted the seniors not to have to come out. Right. So one group came up to me and said, um, not in Chinatown group, one other group came to me and says, hey, I can donate a couple of thousand meals to you. I said, really? Um, I can do 5,000 every week, right, for the next four weeks. So I said to him, I said, where are the meals coming from? He goes, oh, our kitchen, we cook them. I said, great. Well, who paid for that? Oh, we raised money. 
So I said, so you raise money to for your restaurant to cook, and then you want to bring it to Brooklyn. I said, how about this? How about, how about if you, and they raised like millions. I'm not talking about some small amount. Right? It's a pretty well-known organization. So I said, how about this? Why don't you raise some money and do what I'm doing? Support the local Chinese restaurant in Bay Parkway to cook the food for our, you know, for the people, mm. right? Why go through the step? I said, if I take your meals, that means I'm not giving business to this mm-hmm. restaurant in, in, Bay, yeah. in, in Bay Parkway. So turning it down. And plus, you're taking, you're taking meals from it. wherever community they were serving already. Well, that's the whole point. And I yeah. said, I don't, we're not here. It's not a competition. Yeah. We don't want, again, the whole idea, we're not here for Hannah. We're not here just because we just need a meal to stay. You know, when we get to that point, you know, I'll, I'll take it. You know, I'm not going to be, you know, tell you about But there are many other options, right? We're able to raise $200,000 for a lot of private foundations, donations, to pay with 63,000 numbers. Every single penny went into buying meals, and we kept this restaurant open throughout the entire pandemic. They're still open now. They're not closed, hire more people, right? That's the example, and I think when China Mac decided to do that, I'm like, yeah, man, that's, that's spot on, right? You guys are doing the same, putting money right into people's hands. Make sure that people can... So we don't need this charity. Let me come in here. Let me give you food. So I said to him, look, if your food is not purchased from this local community, don't do it because you're really hurting the the small business here. By you giving stuff away from Chicago, because when I saw some of those meals that coming from Chicago, frozen stuff, I'm like, Chicago have their own problem, man. Feed the people in Chicago. Right. 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 Don't don't raise money using Asian Americans as victims. Right. Right. And then because of who you are, that you get all the props and you get all the news media to talk about you. I said, no, I don't need you. I'm here to make sure that our people get fed and I will make sure that our small business are taken care of too. So I turned down 20,000 meals. I don't need it. Mm-hmm. Don't need it. We yeah. need to stand up. Yeah. You know, I don't need no charity from you. Right. You know, And you did those extra levels of steps looking to see like, all right, is this for social points? Is this, what, what's the real agenda here? You know, so we're growing. I think the, again, that's why I'm like, so thank you for, you know, having the opportunity to, to talk to you guys. But I, media is changing. The platforms are changing. So now maybe you guys will begin and you and other folks will be able to tell our story the way um, mm-hmm. that can be told. Because mm-hmm. other people, they can recycle the whole thing. Yep. Right? It's always the same. If you ask the average person, they think they're all Chinese restaurants to have neon lights and have chop suey on it, right? right. Yeah. So, you know. You see, as long as you see it in the movies, that's where the neon they, lights. That's where they get their Chinatown information from. Right. Is whatever they see in the movies. Right. It's all the neon lights and, you know, all excited women and all kind of crazy stuff. Right. Men's all gangsters or wife beaters. Like, enough already. Or nerds. Right. Or nerds. Mathematicians. <laughs> well, I'm, I want to go back on that, the, the whole new media. Right. Um, right now, I mean, like what I see a lot of the younger generation, right, um, coming out, organizing, uh, setting up events. And I'm thinking, you know, what happened to the associations? You know, what happened to um, all those groups that mm. were back then were hoping new, you know, Chinese immigrants come in and, and right. be welcomed and be st- have a stable uh, footing when they came here, you know, to New right. York. So what happened to, you know, those associations? And why why aren't they you know working together? I mean, we should be all working together. Younger ge- generation, older generation. Yeah, there's certainly I, a gap there. There is a yeah. gap, and I know I know for a fact that the younger generation are coming back into Chinatown. 
setting up new businesses and and kind of updating you know the look of Chinatown, but the look, it's right. the feel, the, the feel, vibe, but the it's vibe. still it's very inviting, still very Chinatown. Yeah, still very China because these are right. kids that grew up in the neighborhood yeah. and coming back and make and creating I, new business. There is a gap between the older generation and the younger generation, and with the associations where they used to be very involved with the community, uh, it it doesn't seem as apparent anymore in terms of them taking the lead and everyone following. I think, like I said, I. I being raised by a single dad, you know, after school, I would be hanging out at the association, family association until he got off work and then we'd go home together. And on weekends, you know, I spent all day there. Um, so I got to know what it is. I, I, from my perspective, they're a misunderstood, not misunderstood, misrepresented. In uh, what way? I don't think a lot of people, you know, this association with tongs, there's this criminal element um, that these guys are somewhat, you gangsters. know, gangsters or, or mafia, or, or mafia mm-hmm. right? Or just super conservative, you know, disciplinarians. And that's just completely not true, right? Um, and I think that force, ne- and this is why it worries me that even in 2020, if we continue to allow these false narrative, and for all the younger generations, so to speak, who are, who are there now, do your research, don't just take up something that, you know, even I'll say it right now, even the mocha, the Museum of Chinese, you know, some of their facts are not correct. The Chinese Museum. The Chinese Museum. And not, I don't think because they're bad people, but hey, if they, you know, stories are always told on the size of the victors, right? These are the guys who are in control. So you're going to continue heading down that path. You're going to tell, you're pretty much... It's worse. When I read it the first time, I'm like, oh, this is bullshit. I know mm-hmm. that's not what the Family Association is about. I know this is not what the Chinatown is about. And it's one thing when I read it written by a non-Asian, you know, a white guy who wrote this and, uh, you know. And I like, said it was all, all basically a criminal element. Right. All gangsters. And- but now when you had Chinese people saying it, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah, the bloody triangle. I'm like, dude, do your homework. Right, just think about common sense. We're actually right next to it. Right, right, next, to it, right? right next, next to it. Right, bloody, right next to it. Bloody triangle. Right. right? Now, I yeah. said, why we keep? Saying? I said, just because someone called that. I said, think, do the sim- Just think about it logically. Mm-hmm. There are not too many Asians to begin with. Chinese in China to begin with. If they were really killing each other, who the hell was doing all the laundry, doing all the restaurant, doing all the stuff? They cannot be killing that many people. Are there no crime? And I, and I'm in denial. Absolutely not. But to say that is the most dangerous. Blah blah blah. I mean. Come on, you know, you look at it, the bloody triangle and people will say to me, there's two Pegasus that are hanging outside uh, one on um, that point to Doyer Street, right? Right. One's on it. And people will say to me, so when I do a walking tour of Chinatown, people say, what is that? Is the Pegasus something mythical in China? I said, no, no, no. That is a symbol of gentrification. (laughs) (laughs) The two freaking bars inside the bloody triangle said... The taxis, the Uber guy can find it. Mm-hmm. So let's hang something there that they as, can identify. As a landmark. That's a landmark. Okay. Right? right? And I'm like, come on, guys. Do your freaking Those homework. bars are pretty good, though. <laughs> They're fine. I've, I've, I've been in those bars. And I'm, 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 I'm with it. You know, yeah. so, hey, listen, we want to, I don't think there's, we need to be um, only a particular, I think it's natural that mm-hmm. it's only a problem. My What I see the problem is when they use these, 
when they're marketing using this negative stereotype that hurts our community, right. that's where I draw the line. Right. You know, listen, I'm not, we're not all purists. I don't, but when you keep saying this, the only thing that people know about is, you know, bloody triangle, right. gangs, gangs of New York. They were something like, come on. It's obviously safer now than it ever was. And when you use that to market and people come by, you know, they take, you know, no, I, I went down that and, path. I went down mm-hmm. that path. You know, this other author who wrote the book, and I said, "Hey, listen, I would love to have a conversation with you about the Tong Wars and all those stuff." Right? He's, "Oh, it's all based on facts." I'm like, "What facts?" He goes, it's "Based on the news report." I said, "Yeah, read the news report now. If you read, you watch Fox Five, you think the president is second coming of Christ, but then you watch uh, MSNBC." Yeah. So, when you wrote your story, I told this guy, "Which one did you, was it?" Fox or was it MSNBC? Mm-hmm. Right, so don't don't tell me this. So I just want the my daughter's generation, mm-hmm. you know, do a little fact checking. Right, mm-hmm. the right? real history, real history, it. real history. Look behind the facade. Right, people walk down Chinatown; they only see the streets. They don't ever see be above the signage. Right. They are real people who live here for 175 years. Oh, now, yeah. for those, yeah, right. Right, absolutely, and and for the people listening, can can you explain uh, uh, how the Bloody Triangle get its name, and what what are the cross streets? So the Bloody Triangle, and again, I think we need to fight this and change it. <laughs> Rephrase it. We gotta. Oh no. Well, it would be a way to really give it a more appropriate, accurate. You name. know, this is the moment, right? This is the moment where we're questioning: Are we accepting criminal justice as it is? Are we accepting the status quo? Are we accepting people who decide to say, hey, Chinatown is known as the gangs and the stuff like this and, and all, all this stuff? So Bully Triangle, they're saying is it's a pretty racist thing that they that was referenced in the gangs of New York in that in that novel. People think that's history, but it's real. I think it's a novel. It's a right. It's docudrama at best. Mm-hmm. Um, so they basically said at this corner. Because a Chinese person's eye cannot see around the corner. That's why they kill each other, right? Mm-hmm. That was the reference. I said, it's a pretty damn pretty racist, racist thing. Yeah. But our people, do they, do they say, you know, do they object to that? No. Or they continue to put The other thing was this guy said, one police captain said, back in the day, say, this is the most dangerous place in all. And that was it. He made that one reference in one newspaper article. In what year? Like, was, was that the most dangerous place? No. Was, uh... I, when I grew up in Little Chinatown, walking to the street, we used mm-hmm. to see bodies on the street. Yeah. Yeah, we see bodies and, on the street. Yeah. Right? And people talk about, oh, uh, stop and frisk. I, be, I said, when I went to school, I've been stopped and frisked plenty of times. Absolutely. Me too. All right? Me too. Just walking to school, I've been stopped and frisked. And, and I'm just a little boy, 12, 13 years old. Yeah. And I get, I get thrown against the wall, like shoved. Yep. If you walk, with, if you just walk me. straight up, Mm-hmm. Like a person, mm-hmm. you must be a gangster. Yeah. You're not supposed to walk like that, yeah. right? Or even if you look a person, a police officer in the eyes, you know, yeah, they would react a certain way towards you. I remember. You remember that Music Palace used to be a yeah. theater, and then right there was on, some um, shooting. What, right Bowery, Bowery and, and Hester, right? And Hester, yeah, Bowery and Hester. Hester. Yes, right. So I used to take the have to take the bus there to go up to uh, go to NYU, go go up to West Fourth Street. Mm-hmm. I'm standing there. Next thing you know, a bunch of cops just shot me against the wall, and says. Put your hands against the wall. And you right? had a book bag and everything. You look like you're going yeah. to school. Right. Okay. So they go, well, I have my hair's kind of long then, you know, so they, but they like just shove me against the wall and says, guns drawn. Yeah. Let me see all 10 fingers and you better pray, motherfucker, you have 10 fingers. You can't make this stuff up. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm like, all right. 
You know, then I turned around. I said, like, what's going on, officers? Hey, you know, there was some shooting here. I said, like, don't ask me. I'm going to go to school. Mm-hmm. So they go, hey, you know, let me see some ID. So I decided to have a little fun with them. Right? So I said, well, like, here's my library card and here's my American Express. Don't leave home without it. Right. <laughs> so. Darn. Oh, right. I love you, man. So but but like that shit happens. I'm like, come it on, does. man. Yeah, you know, enough already. Yeah. So but, you know, when people hear like who's getting it worse and. I, I really don't, race is, is an issue, but I think class structure. Classism. Classism, it's a much bigger issue. And Absolutely. That, that is where that, you go. That even happens within our own people, mm-hmm. right? And everybody's own people between, doesn't matter what color you are, whites, blacks, Asians, Hispanics, Latinos, right? It, there's classism within that and people look down on their own people for whatever reason. And, you know, a, a lot of it, what, it's generational wealth or, or you're lucky. You're lucky to be born to a wealthy family. You're lucky to be raised with two parents. You're lucky to be raised with a supportive group, a community. So luck has a lot of, of, of uh, factor to play into it rather than who you are as a person because a lot of people look, at, look down on people of lower class as if they're lazy, mm-hmm. right? And that's the reason why they had they're still stuck there and it's not that's not always the case i know sometimes there there are cases like that but that's not always the case luck has a lot to do with it luck has a lot to do with it has everything to do with it better lucky than good right that's why i told my daughter that's how everyone better lucky than good right because you got a lot of smarter people but they just don't have that opportunity it doesn't happen absolutely and um you know so going back to the, the association right if people need to start fighting for them, right? People need to start fighting for them. Who, who are they? Why are they associations? Because it's Chinese Exclusion Act. We are not human. Chinese Americans, are even if you're born here, you are not allowed to own a bank account. You cannot go to school. So Chinese public school is not... Right now, they teach Chinese. But back then, it actually is a public school only for Chinese because they're segregated. Mm-hmm. Right, so it wasn't like it's no joke. Mm-hmm. So for housing, these family association were the suppliers of housing for this community, but because they are not a nonprofit, right? You look at other communities, the Jewish communities further out, the Irish community not too far, you know, Italian community. They all have nonprofits. Chinese association, they do all this, more of, of the same kind of stuff, but yet they pay 100% of the tax. Why is that? Because they register as an association. Because back then, there's no such thing as a nonprofit. And then also part of the tradition for so long, it's like, all right, are we going to change the charter now, you know, and, and dig up this whole can of worm? Or does it make sense for us to form a new group, a new entity? that can benefit that. Is that what's happening? That's what's happening. Because it's just smarter financially and they'll be able to have more resources to Mm -hmm. actually support. Because we need to adjust. We don't have to lose our own identity and our history to be part of the new world. The new world, right? That's why we form Homecrest Community Services as a nonprofit. We could easily be some association. association. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't fit the time anymore. Just like this is the time that I think the, the... BLM movement mm-hmm. is beyond just a movement, right? 
obviously, you know, it really caused the question for those of us who are not African American to say, and like the grandma grandma said, you know, we're inspired by it. Mm-hmm. And we begin to question mm. not just that one incident, but the overall how society have been treating us for all these years. And this is the time I think for Chinese Americans to think back and say, hey, who are these associations? Next time you walk down here, look up and say, hey, are they all the criminals that the, the right. gangsters, the mafia they talk about? Mm-hmm. You know, and and that was the one thing that, and, and here's something for people to think about. Well, there used to be so many gambling halls in Chinatown. All over the place. All over the place. <laughs> yeah. Well, what happened to them? They got legalized. It's now Atlantic City, right? OTB. OTB, right? Yeah, yeah. So, that's my point. It's like government knew, know what's going on. They didn't see it as a problem. They're like, oh, shit, you can't make money off gambling. You know what? We become the house. Right. We're going to do OTB. We're going to collect tax. We're going to collect tax on it. Yeah. We're going to put. So, you know, if I have a choice, as long as it's going to be gambling, might as well have some down here. You know? right. <laughs> Just say. Right. But my point is really look beyond. I think I'm blessed to grow up in this period where I got to see that change and you begin to after a while you ask what happened like one day there's all these gambling hall next day they're gone I know right it's crazy because Atlantic City because now it's legalized so the law can change you know we're identifying these issues and we need to adjust these laws so that it can be more appropriate for this current day and age yeah because the law was written back back in the day where COVID didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And then COVID happened. The pandemic happened. And then you saw a rise in you know, hate, cri- cri- hate crimes. I'm going to call it what it is. Hate crimes against Asians. Not just Chinese people. Asians. Mm-hmm. Right. And these laws that were written, I don't know, I mean, 20, 30 years ago. Or even longer. That are not appropriate for this time. Yeah. And I said to them, I said, it, it worked for the, you know, it worked for anti-Semitism. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying we don't have that problem anymore. I'm just saying that when there's a crime against, you know, anti-Semitic crime, we hear about it. Mm-hmm. Anything that happened in the, um, you know, gay community, we hear about it, right? LGBTQ still don't get it, but hey, some of the... So, but those are the advocates that fought, fought for that. Mm-hmm. And thank them, right? Yeah. But it's not working for us. Right? It's not working for the Asian community. It's not working for the, it's, you know, the... The Arabs, and it's not working for the you know Islamic community, right? Why isn't it working for Islamic Arabs or Asians? Right, because they're saying like the one thing I get keep getting from them is, oh, if no words are spoken, then it cannot be a hate crime. So I said, does that mean that if I have someone is hearing impaired, he can never be a victim of a hate crime? Right? It's like these even our own lawyers are telling me this kind of nonsense, right? And I think we need to there's a, there's definitely a loophole, and it needs to be closed. Mm-hmm. And then the second question people would say is like, why is it so important? Why, 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 do you, why is it that your company want to make this a hate crime? So maybe I can charge you with something worse in the, in the penal system and, and, and to really get. And I said, well, that's when you don't understand. I said, you, you, you point out exactly the problem, right? Because you're still looking at it as a crime perpetrated against an individual and not as a group, not a community. So you catch this one guy and you're going to do everything, you know, and, and we're for resort to, you know, uh, justice in other ways. You know, I'm not even talking about what happened after you get the 
the catch guy. But all I'm saying is having the right classification makes everyone aware that this group, right, is Muslims, yeah. Muslims, Arabs, Chinese Americans, Asian Americans being targeted. Right. And maybe we will get... It raises more awareness. Right. And maybe we can get preventive because to fight this needs preventive, right? right? And this started back in January. Yeah. The rise in all these attacks against Asians this happened in January. And it just recently, they had the, the Asian anti, you know, hate, hate, hate crime task, task force, force right? which yeah. is not even, you know, um, from what I, we've been. It's not. It's, it's not, not legitimate. Real, it's a volunteer group. Volunteer it's a volunteer group. group. Exactly. They it's don't have their group. own office. I mean, right. so they still answer to their own command. They don't really, you know, have yeah. to. So, you know, but it's a step move in, in the right direction. But again, I think we, we need to say, hey, um, what do we do to protect all people? Right. We including need to protect us. the Muslims, the Arabs. The Muslims, the Arabs. The right. Asians, everyone, the Latinos, the, yep. the blacks. Transgenders. You know, they, they you should, know, no, one's, no yeah. one should walk out and be afraid to walk up, leave the home. You know, it's a pretty sad statement during the press conference. And I'm, I'm proud of um, Deputy Inspector Liu. He said it on camera. Even my own families and friends are afraid to leave their home. Absolutely. I'm like, come on. He's a deputy inspector, mm-hmm. right? Isn't it time for us to do something? Isn't it time for us to make sure we got the right resources to do it? Right? And even as deputy inspector, he can only do so much. Yeah. Well, right. because still, I mean, we're moving. I think all the, with everyone's support, we are moving the, the needle, if you will, right? right? It's not a hate crime, but the hate crime task force is... But we're moving the needle, yes. But I just feel like it's it's not enough, you know. Not even close. It's not enough, and it's not. And I almost feel like, okay, fine, just to get you guys to shut the hell up. Well, this is what it is, and they're gonna put a fancy bow around it. And then when you open up and look inside, you're like, wait, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah, it's not what we wanted. You know, it's not what we're asking for. This Asian hate that you that you put on social media, you put this all over the news networks, right? I saw this on on the ten o'clock news, primetime news, all over the place, and I thought to myself, yes, yes, their their hate crime unit, they so they can a- allocate more resources right. and address these issues like they would for any other human being. That's right, but. When you open up the box and you look inside of it, it's not what it is. It's it's a volunteer group because when you open up a group, they're supposed to allocate all these resources to it and actually fund it and put some money behind it and give them an office just just so they can do their work. They can do their due diligence. And you mean to tell me that this department is just a volunteer group? And then with uh, it's just and it, with it's the, like and saying, how do you feel if your community and you're going, hey. There's a possible chance of fire being, you know, lit in one of these homes. So therefore, we need a fire department. We need a fire department in this community. We don't need it in the next town because they won't get here in time. Everything's going to be burned to shreds. We need a fire department in our community to put out a fire literally when it happens. And then they're going, hey, guys, we did it for you. You guys have a fire department and then when you look behind it guess what these guys don't have their own firehouse they don't have their own fire trucks it's a volunteer group whoever wants to fucking fight fire show up show up up and put out the fucking fire what the fuck 
Yeah, I think they, the things that, you know, we're not that smart, but we've seen how other community concerns are addressed, right? Let's put more cops on the, on the, on the, on the subways that a lot of Asians ride those trains, right? I mean, this is the problem. Four or five o'clock at this point, all the all the storefronts come to empty out because there is safety in numbers. So that's why these guys are now all leaving to go, take the train together to go home. Mm-hmm. You know, so and a lot of them are also are they're armed. You know, yeah. they have some sort of weapon, whether it's a gun or a knife or pepper spray. And I'm just concerned if they if they use it. You know, because if because well, guess what, they use it in self defense somehow. Somehow, and I'm going to knock on wood, Don. Somehow, it'll be the Asian person's fault where they use too much violence to protect themselves. And now they're being charged with attempted murder or something else, right? Where somebody else started it and we finish it or that person finishes it. And then now we're charged with whatever they're going to put on. You know, I just hope that that doesn't happen. You know, that's, that's my concern. You know, and, and yes, I know New York specifically or a lot of other states having a firearm is highly illegal, right? But if these guys are freaking, you know, criminals concerned about being burned, they're concerned about getting jumped and randomly punched in the face, getting knocked out and and potentially, you know, being hit in a street fight, your head landing on concrete, that's the concern. It's game over, man. It's game over. You're done. You'll never be the same person again. You're concussed and you're, it's a wrap for you. At that point, it's too late. I mean, like, when I, when I hear, like, sometimes the police force is like a reactive, uh, depart- like, reactive department group, that's, they should be actively it's, policing. It's not too late. It's, it's beyond that. You need a new word, but they're flagrantly late mm-hmm. because it's been happening. It is happening. Right. We need reform, real reform. That's why, like, even in Chinatown, you see all the... There's a lot of people who, you know, people call them homeless, right? And, um, and like you said, well, you're going to see a lot of the ladies giving money to these guys. They don't like, oh, let me, you know, like the Upper East Side, Upper West Side, who doesn't want them out. Folks in Chinatown actually feel sorry for them, give them money. And I'm proud of that in, in many ways. But at the same time, you know, the city needs to stop calling these guys homeless. You know, we all need a home. But... They need more than that. Some of these guys really need these services. Mm-hmm. And we're forced to the point where I think in our community, I think maybe due to language or just how we communicate. And I think this is where it divides the Asian and Chinese American community with other communities. Because the first thing they think of is, all right, let's call the cops. And my reaction is like, what's a cop going to do? <laughs> right? Um, you know, I said to them, start changing that. Start saying, Bill de Blasio, Mayor de Blasio, where are the social workers? Where are the people? And I don't mean that in a, you know, being disrespectful, trying to be funny. I really meant that, you know. So, but call the politician. Call the politician. But we're forced to the point. Make change because the local police officer, even if they can empathize and they feel for you in that moment, they can't make that that change. Yeah, they can't put their their name on a piece of paper and restructure something. They can't, as much as they want to help, they can stop the crime. That's their job function and to protect the law. But the people that actually can update and do something, put their name, who, who's authorized to sign something, put a bill and have it pass, those are the people we need to speak to. Right, to make sure there's Absolutely. services, real service for these guys. You know, we don't want them to be all pushed down here because, you know, but it needs to be a solution. Pitting this situation against this community. 
And then now we're victimized again and say, hey, Chinese people are pro police. No, I don't think they didn't know they didn't know what to ask for. The only thing they know is to call the call the police. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean they're pro police, right? right? Yeah. They're human. Walk around. I'm not making this up. Come down why to China. Why does that have money. a negative connotation? Pro police. You know, it, it, it automatically assumes that all police officers are are evil mm-hmm. or negative, and you're pro that, right? I I have a problem with that type of verbiage for police officers too, because I know a lot of police officers. That are really good police officers. They join the force to literally stop crime. Yeah, I think they're given, you know, I think all, and my, to protect my good, good friend T.Y. Chang kind of put it this way. He says, every community wants these two things, respectful policing and little no crimes. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter which neighborhood. As anyone, we want respectful policing and we don't want any crime. No different from a rich neighborhood or any other neighborhood. But somehow... You know, so I'm for respectful policing, mm-hmm. right? Just don't like start shooting people for no good reason, right? Right? Don't push me against the wall and say, "Make sure I have ten fingers," right? right. Don't put a gun on me, yeah. And then when right. I try to go to school, call, don't call me chink, or right? Don't, don't call, call me a right? racial slur, don't, don't call me a racial but slur. But here's right? the thing: at the same time, I don't think that's the majority of police officers, right? The majority of police officers aren't going out calling people. Uh, you know, being racist, mm-hmm. saying racist names, saying shooting random people. It, it, I don't think that's a majority. Yes, there's a percentage, and it's always the the assholes that get most of the attention that gives everybody. It's the bad apples that give all the good apples a, a bad reputation. I, I right? totally and, agree and, with and, that and it's one. the same mm-hmm. thing with us, like the associations. Right? You're saying you know they're they're, they're known for the tongues, and right. but you're saying no. There's a majority of the associations. Provide that, housing. That provide housing. They they don't have employment. Uh, any affili- affiliations with any sort of mafia or triad. They're literally out there doing something that would be currently classified this day and age as a nonprofit for the community. That's right. So that's the same. That's my idea with the policing because anyone that you know, I've gotten arguments with my friends about this or debates, I should say, respectful debates because we always we don't personally attack each other. We always stick on the topic because they have a difference in opinion than I do. And I don't think all police officers are bad. I do believe that there's a lot that needs to be changed, but they're, there's only, they're limited by, by what they can actually achieve, right? Because at the end of the day, they need to follow their job function that their supervisor lays out for them, right? So that said, there's a lot of them that are good police officers. And yes, there also is quite a few that when we hear about these shootings or when we hear about these racist words being through all these, or they go into to report a rape or 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 hate crime yeah that, that where they take it seriously where they get shamed instead right and oh, tell them go home you, yeah well, go home what were you wearing also you totally deserve to right. do. i was like excuse me no you know you can't change that so there are police officers out there where you're going how did they even get this job right how did they even get this but there's a bunch of other good police officers out there who, yeah because if that wasn't the case would you dial 911 well, Would you roll the dice yeah. and dial 911? If there's a crime happening to you right now, if a bunch of people showed up, I'm going to call 911 because I believe that there's more good police officers than there are bad. Right. I think they're, they're going to help me fight the criminals standing across from I don't me. even think it's like the individual police officers. Like It's an individual police officer's issue. It's more a systemic issue where you know this, you know, this, police force, this police force is hiring these inept uh, police police officers 
and they're causing these issues. And to me, it's like the only way you can get change is highlighting and putting that those bad things under a microscope for for change to happen. There's a police officer named Sunny and Louie. They used to be partners. They walked the streets, right? Sunny and Louie. And I'm forever grateful. Who knows how my life will turn out, right? So one day I decide to cut class and I'm walking down the block. And then back then after the nice stick mm, and right. I got tapped on my, on my butt and he goes, hey, where are you going? <laughs> and I'm like, you know you're not supposed to be here, right? And I said, yeah. He goes, go back to school or I'm going to tell your grandfather. Now, I knew he would tell my grandfather. He back knew what then, the he, to push. He knew, right, he, but the thing is, he wasn't making it up. Oh, he, right? oh, okay. he can go up to the family associate and tell my grandfather and say, hey, I saw Don walking in the street. So then when I saw him on Sunday, he went up there and he goes, oh, Don, give me some tea. Right. So I get him some tea and he says, well, not these type, you know, because they were not really drinking hot tea. They were drinking drinks that look like tea, if you will. Right. Mm. They were just feeling in the bottom of the back. It's the same cop. And he wink at me. He goes, I am forever thankful, Sonny and Louie. Right. Uh-huh. These are the NYPD that if, they let me that one in, one encounter, you know. I I never cut class again. Yeah, because I knew he will talk to my grandfather. Yeah. There's no question about that. Yeah. So I mean, can we get back to those simple simpler days? Why does everything have to be so like aggressive? Aggressive, right? where they're over or policing. And I know it's tough when you're fighting crime and everybody fucking hates you, but you have to use some empathy in some situations. In a lot of situations, you have to apply empathy. I think that's what separates us from being a machine. You right. know, we're, we're, you have to, you have to, because if you don't and you overuse your force or you don't use proper discretion, then yes, you're going to get situations like this where people hate you. And then, and then it's a shame because... You know, now you're, a lot of good cops are going, you know, well, well, what's the point, right? And then people that good or potential good police officers that were excited at one point to be a police officer, they had dreams. When I grow up, I'm going to be a cop. Now they're looking at this whole situation like, hell no, I'm not touching this with a 10-foot pole. I'm not going anywhere near. So now we're going to lose those good police officers. So who's left? We get the people that want to abuse power, that want to have a gun, and want to have a license to kill. And now we got a majority of those people that want to be police officers. And that's when the 911 calls will stop. That's when people will have local militias. That's when gangs will start because then they know... You know, I'm going to make the difference. I'm going to get this group of guys here and we're going to run this. And that's going to be the problem now. And we can't have that. We cannot have that.